You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 77. Today we're diving into co-parenting through divorce and separation. And as you can imagine, this episode has a lot of emotions. Two out of the three people cried, me being one of them. <laughs> and it's it's a, it's an intense one. But guys, I got to interview two people who crush this. Zach's parents got divorced when he was young, and they so generously offered to share their story and answer your questions on how they navigated all the things. And honestly, guys, I get to see the fruits of their labor as the human that they co-parent, and then to hear the behind the scenes, it makes total sense because they really, really have always been co-parents, even when it was really freaking hard. And here they are today to share their story and to answer your questions on how you even do this. How do you do it in the early days and years? And what does it look like as time goes on? Thank you so much to Fran and Daryl for joining me for this convo, for opening up and stepping into the arena. Guys, before we dive in, did you see the news? We have shirts. Oh my God, I'm so excited. We have tiny human, big emotions, t-shirts and onesies, and the pre-order is happening right now. Why jump in on the pre-order, you might ask? Well, friend, if you snag your shirt or onesie during the pre-order, 50% of our profits from this pre-order are going to go to Together Rising. Together Rising is working hard to get those kiddos out of cages on the border. And y'all, I don't know if it's keeping you up at night, but it sure is keeping me up at night. So let's do something about this. Come snag a shirt, and as a bonus, you get to donate at the same time. Free shipping on all orders because I love free shipping. I cannot wait to see those tiny humans all around the world in these shirts and onesies. You guys are the bomb. Go snag yours now. It's at seedandsow.org slash seed shop. We have a shop with all of our things on our website. Head on over and grab yours now. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey everyone, today I am here with two of my favorite parents in the whole wide world. The two that raised my favorite human that exists. I get to sit down with Zach's mom and dad and talk about how they navigated co-parenting through divorce and separation. This is an episode that I've recently gotten a bunch of requests for. In our Tiny Humans Big Emotions membership, we just did co-parenting as our topic for this month. And a lot of folks in there are going through divorce or separation right now. And so it's really relevant for our village. And these two navigated it in such a beautiful way that there's no one I'd rather sit down with. In fact, when I first started dating Zach, I found out he was an only child. I was like, I don't date only children. 
And he was like, oh, well, I have three moms and a dad. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. I'm, I'll stay and learn more. And then as I learned more and just saw how awesome his family unit was, I, I've never seen anything like this. And I grew up with a bunch of friends who have divorced parents. And the way that you guys have navigated this blows my mind. And I'm so grateful because I get to benefit from it as well. And it's all about me, uh, <laughs> as you now know. So first I'm here with Fran, and you'll hear Daryl as well as here. We will try and highlight voices as much as possible for y'all. We're going to dive right in. From Zach's perspective, what he has shared with me is that throughout growing up and, and going through this, and actually first, can we share how old was Zach when you guys separated? He was about six or seven. Okay. Um, and he has said that throughout the now two decades plus, he always felt like the decisions you guys made were with his best interest in mind. And anyone who's even just been in partnership at all knows that every, we're always bringing conflict in our own things to the table. And to navigate this without putting yourselves first, I think is admirable and amazing. And I want to hear how you guys did that through clear, like challenging emotions and I guess all the fire that comes with going through something hard for Zach to have not felt that I think is amazing. And I want to hear how you did that and what that looked like for you. Fran, you want to kickstart us? Sure. Um, I'm not sure all of it was as intentional at the beginning. Um, and I guess I should just preface it by saying, you know, you start a story when you get married. And somewhere through the chapters, you realize the story may not end or continue the way you thought it was going to. So for me, um, I thought we can write this story. We can write a different story, but it can still be a really good loving story and we can expand the circle may not be that uh, i guess i'm really i struggle with the term broken family and for me i needed to envision a circle that was expanding not shrinking or broken and i think daryl will agree with me <laughs> that you know the first couple <clears throat> of years are pretty tough really really tough it's a time of great loss and grief and anger and pain and confusion and it doesn't just affect the two people at first it feels like oh this is just about you know a husband and wife and what they're dealing with and then it quickly turns of course to your child um, but then also your larger family too so we called on our village and i feel i received tremendous support from so many people um, and daryl and i just stayed you know, in communication, and some of that communication in the early days was pretty tough. It was really tough to move beyond um, what we might be feeling in those situations versus what we need to do. So it's kind of, how do you get out of your big human, big emotions? <laughs> I like it. Nice <laughs> working, Fran. Focus, focus on, you know, what does Zach need? What, how can we help him through this? so that he's not responsible for our feelings, that we remain strong. We have our private disagreements or conversations or arguments, um, which I don't think we have a whole lot of. No. Just a couple come to mind, but, <laughs> but um, 
you know, how do we keep him front and center? And also, as I say that, I recognize there are a lot of families that may not have those foundational roots to begin with, and this might, they create a different story, but again, it can be, it can be one that works for your children. I love it. Daryl. Yeah. Me. I think the journey for me was uh, a little bit different in the beginning. Um, I felt I I felt pretty pretty much alone mm-hmm. in all of this. So, so what was what was going on for me at in the beginning, in the very very early stages, was uh, a lot of turmoil, a lot of emotion, a lot of anger. Uh, and and most of that was was internal for me. Mm-hmm. So it was very self-centered time, and I am somebody who deals with crisis by doing things, mm-hmm. by getting stuff done. You know, by sort of making the list and saying, "Here's what I need to do now." It makes me feel like I'm moving, <clears throat> and um, and that's what I did initially was was try to set that up, but but. I wasn't quite in the space that Fran talked about um, for for a little while. Um, I had to get through a lot of anger, um, and and it wasn't very productive anger either. It was it was almost to the point of feeling like I wanted to be vindictive. Yeah. Um, so at, at that I stewed in that for a while, but then there was this moment where, and I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing, and it was at the height of a very, very angry moment. And I just thought to myself, okay, if I'm going to act on this, if I'm going to stay in this space, I'm going to need my son to come with me. And that's not going to work, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, because this isn't about him. He loves his mother. Mm-hmm. He loves her endlessly, and I, I, you know, I can't, I can't do this, and, and, and I, I can't, I can't um, get, I can't have what I'm feeling right now, and kind of stay there, and also let him have his space. Those two can't coexist, and so it was really right at at, at a very defining moment that I that I decided uh, I, I can't I can't I can't be angry I can be but I have to put him first and be there for him and and it was like a bright line and I just stepped over into a new space it was not easy but it was easy also to be there to know mm-hmm. that the the motivation for being there was this little guy who who needed to have both of us. Yeah. And I will say this, the, the one thing, no matter how angry I might have been with Fran, one thing never, uh, I never stopped respecting her as a parent. Yeah. That was always like, I had that utmost respect for Fran as a mom. So. So somehow that kind of found a, a, a place in all of this, and that made it a lot easier to go forward. So long way of saying I drew this line and said, okay, I, I can't, I'll deal with my stuff. I got to be there for him. 
And that was that. And, and then the decision was made. And once the decision was made, it was so much easier to just kind of be in this new space. Right. When I think you bring up, I think I too respected you as a parent and the shift from, you know, if people think when they're going into marriage or separation, divorce, that you're not going to need to be in relationship with this person. Um, you, we recommitted really as mm -hmm. co-parents and that we didn't let that down. Yeah. No, that never, that absolutely. I don't know that we ever really talked about it no, to I say, okay, we we're going to do this now, but we were each yeah. committed to co-parenting and I don't ever recall that either one of us ever tried to kind of take advantage of the other or anything. We always checked in. We always, you know, had mm -hmm. Zach's best interests at I mean, heart. We talked every single day. <laughs> yeah, for we did. Years. We did. And uh, and you know, as it, knowing that Zach has said to you, he he's felt that we were always unified in that. That's very. Uh, I love to hear that. It's reassuring. <laughs> um, it didn't always feel that way, but. I think by yeah. and large, yeah, we both acted in a in his in a common interest, and, yeah, and um, and I think we both were uh, super committed to doing that. I I think a couple things here. One that you pulled out was like that the feelings at first of like almost wanting to be vindictive. I think that's so relatable. I mean, big humans, big emotions, right? Like <laughs> we all have them, and. You can't separate having those feelings and parenting, right? And, like, being there. And I think for a lot of folks to be able to hear, you're not going to turn around tomorrow and be okay with that other person in this new space. Just like any transition, mm -hmm. it takes time. And I actually was listening to an interview recently with a marriage and family therapist, and she was like, start as you wish to go on. That, like, you guys committed to that co-parenting through even through the early days when it wasn't easy, but that became your crux. Like as you went on, the co-parenting was non-negotiable. Right. Also, when we were at Geek, is Daryl's mom, and she was another favorite human of mine. She has since passed with Zach's grandma. And uh, when we were at her service down at, in Hilton Head, she, one of the things that someone pointed out, it may have been you, was how we, she set this like path for blended families. Like same thing where I like met her and she was talking about her first husband, your dad, and how she bought him a house that lived, even though they weren't married anymore. And I was like, what happens in this family? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great point. That I came from this. Yeah. This is all I know yeah. about, you know, about parents who don't stay married and don't live together. You know, it wasn't always easy. My mom and dad, they lived apart. We, I didn't really get to see them. But once they kind of found their way back to each other as dear best friends, yeah. yeah, and you know this, they were tight. They were tighter than tight. And my dad would come over to the house with my mom and her husband. And, you know, my mom's husband and my dad were, were best buddies. So... I don't, you know, even when for all the time that we were together, married, uh, this was this was all a village. You talk about a village, yeah. and my mom really set the, um, uh, you know, set the standard for that in in my life. Yeah, and it's I say it's all I ever really knew. So being 
vindictive, staying angry, staying, just not something that was in my culture. Yeah. I had no experience with that. So even if I wanted to do it, I wouldn't have known how to do it. She would have yelled at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it took her a while to come around to oh, it. Oh, actually, sure. it helped her. <laughs> well, and I think in the same way that you were like, it, it's it's what you knew. It also, she showed you that this is an option, right? That so many folks, I think, when we think of family or if you haven't ever seen people separate or get divorced and still co-parent, you might not even know that's a choice. Well, and I, I mean, my family... My parents were married for over 50 years, raised four kids. I watched them have a lot of conflict. I watched them have really tough years. I, you know, it was a stick to and a loyalty. So it does rock your world, and it does. you draw upon, I guess the strength I drew upon with my family was your family is everything, and you do what you can for your children. So that's what I carried with me. Yeah. But I, it was definitely tough. And on that note... How did you guys come together or decide, like, how to tell Zach and what supports did you have in place for doing that and then for him after that? Can I go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Alyssa shared with me a couple of these questions beforehand just to give me a little flavor of what how this conversation might go. And I read that question, and we all say, oh, I feel all the feels. And I usually say that in a really good way. Like, this makes me feel all the feels. And I looked at that question 20-plus years later, and I felt all the feels, and they were horrible. I mean, they resurrected on every physical level the feelings I had at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, I'm going to take a little while to process a little bit of that. Um, But... Again, I think being self-aware, like if I were to make any recommendation or give advice to anybody going through this, to take time to identify what you're feeling first and sit with that a little bit, be able to separate it so that when you're with your child, they don't become your caretaker in that moment, that you have cried your tears, you've done what you need to do, found your people to be able to emote to, and then be able to come to a very difficult conversation that I don't think anybody ever wants to have with their child. And I I just want to hear from you. Like, we haven't talked about this in advance or revisited this. And I don't even know if I'm remembering. This is what I remember. And I don't know if this is actually what has happened. (laughs) But I remember very clearly being in the living room and um, asking Zach saying we had to talk to him about something important and I think he was aware might have been a little bit aware of some we had some transitional stuff going on um, and needing to let him know that mommy and daddy are going to be living in two different homes Mm -hmm. and that he was going to have two different homes and we're always going to be his mom and dad and that you know if we don't know something we're going to figure it out and let him know um, it's a little bit of a blur, and I don't really remember the conversation, but I do remember Zach leaving the room and getting a piece of paper and drawing. Mm. And he was in second grade, I think, and one of his um, classmates, his, her mom was a psych, child psychologist, and she had just done a little session with the kids in the class on... Um, like it was a divorce workbook. That's convenient. And it was about, you know, using art as a way to express emotion. Yeah. And that's what he did. And I don't remember the timing of it. In my mind, it happened 
almost as soon as we told him, but yeah. I think I have a time warp of a memory <laughs> because it was traumatic. It was yeah. felt traumatic emotionally. Yeah. So that's a moment I will never forget. I could live to be 110. Yeah. I hope you do. Yeah, me too. But I don't, you know, whatever happens to my brain, I will never forget that minute, that moment. And it was awful. Um, so I don't want to relive it, but I'll say this. Um, I felt that it was a conversation we both needed to be there for. And for those who are going through something like this, I, I try to take it from that perspective. We were together in talking about this. Um, you know, I had, um, I had not had the benefit of being told when my parents weren't going to be together anymore, mm. it just happened. So um, that was part of my history, so I was trying to rewrite a little bit of that, maybe. Um, uh, I will never forget Zach's reaction, which, which I, I don't remember the art thing. I just remember him sort of convulsing on the couch for a minute, as if to say, you know, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so that was just hard, but, um, and you know, uh, what I, what I recall though, about the decision to talk to him was what I was saying earlier. It, it was critical that we be together in being in, in the beginning of being apart mm -hmm. and then being with him. Um, in a way that he felt supported, um, you know, going into that and that he would know, okay, both my parents are here. And I think we each knew going forward that we would always, like, we were going to be there. Both of us were going to be there yeah. for him no matter what. So, so I, I think you, you know, everybody has to get to that point. Um, I would say two things. One, you, you got to say something. Yeah. And and I would imagine that there are many out there who would try to rationalize why, well, you know, he's six or seven, she's six or seven. Mm -hmm. We don't need to say anything. You know, we'll just go forward and do mm -hmm. it. That is not, that is not, you know, that is not the way to go. Um, and, and, and two, you know, you just kind of tell it like it is in ways that, in, a, in words that uh, we that he could understand. We, we tried to use words that would be very centered around him. Here's what will be for you. You'll mm -hmm. have this, you'll have that, you know, as opposed to um, talking about us. Right. I think around being centered on the child and that what's going to stay the same and what's going to change. And if we don't know, I think I just said that a yeah. few minutes ago, if we don't know, we're going to let you know. Mm -hmm. But I think it's his world. He wants his mom and dad. He wants his mom and dad to yeah. love him and feel mm -hmm. safety and security. Totally. So how do we do that? Not over-promise anything, not over-talk, but also say, here's what's staying the same. Here's what's changing. Here's what we're going to do next. He can't, yeah. at that point, you know, we weren't talking yeah. long, long term. Right. We were trying to keep it. Also, I'm going to jump to other things, mm -hmm. but 
you know, talking, obviously Daryl and I talking ahead of time, talking to his teacher, talking to the guidance counselor, getting counseling set up, knowing that this is big and where, where does he have some opportunity to process what he's experiencing without maybe having the, all the language for it. Yeah. I am loving ready-to-eat meals in this season of life. Things are really busy over here with a toddler and a newborn, and I don't always want to be focusing on meal planning and ordering groceries. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are chef-crafted and dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. There's zero prep and zero mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup involved, and Holy moly, do I need that right now. I also love that I can order as much or as little as I need by choosing my meals every week, and I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, restaurant-quality meals with no cooking required, and there are more than 60 add-ons, like pancakes and smoothies, to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Head to factormeals.com slash village50 and use code village50 to get 50% off. That's code village50 at factormeals.com slash village50 to get 50% off. With spring on the horizon, but not quite here yet in Vermont, I've been looking for simple ways to give my body the energy boost it needs and keep up with healthy habits, especially on those tired mornings when I'm just feeling drained. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel more energized and ready to take on the day. It's a morning ritual that gives me peace of mind and then I'm getting comprehensive nutrition that supports my immune system and keeps me going all day. As a parent of two amazing kids, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so that I can continue to show up for the moments that matter. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm jazzed to welcome them as a new sponsor. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com village. That's drinkag1.com village. Check it out. I love that he, I mean, convenient that he had the art book set up in place, really right then and there. But really what you brought up was that he had not just a way to express, but a way to cope, a coping strategy. We talk a lot on here about coping mechanisms versus strategies. And especially when we're looking at kids who are more reserved or often referred to as introverts, uh, they often turn to arts expression or music expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is like Zach to a T. And, but, but he knew that at six, right? Like he had those tools in place at six because you guys set them up for him before Mm -hmm. then, right? Mm -hmm. That he had coping strategies to turn to so that he wasn't just numbing those feelings with mechanisms and that you went in knowing this is going to suck, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, the goal isn't to make 
sure Zach doesn't feel sadness in this or whoever the kid is. Uh, it's going to be hard and that that's okay, right? Like we can have tools to navigate hard things. I, I think on different scales, we see this in so many ways. When you were saying about like not having the conversation, I was thinking about when parents drop kids off at school and they sneak out of the room without saying goodbye or right that we set mm-hmm. up these things where we're like, it's easier for us if we don't see them cry. But for them, when they turn around and you're not there, they're like, where'd you go? Right. Um, so in so many ways, I think we can practice these little things for so long of building this trust with them and laying a foundation where they know it's okay for you to feel sad or to feel disappointed or to feel confused or unsure, right? And like out of control. We can handle your hard emotions. Mm-hmm. And what you were saying, Fran, about like having your own self-awareness and self-reg in place. And maybe that looks like turning to your village ahead of time or finding your own ways to cope ahead of time so that you go in and you can handle his hard emotions, right? So that when you're saying this, he's not there to take care of you. You're there to take care of him. But it means doing all of our own work up front. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes it's happening simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. It's totally. like you're feeling all your feelings inside, but it's ha- what you're choosing to do with those feelings yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And putting your child above that and, at that and time. That's hard. So hard. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... I I can imagine there are some folks listening to this now and thinking, well, I, I, I won't be able to sit down with that person and do this. I, you know, whatever is going on emotionally, yeah. I just say, you know, you, you, you've got to reach for the common ground and understand that this is not, uh, this little person is not either one of you. Mm-hmm. This is a separate human being, you know, who, who, who needs to be uh, treated like a human being, you know, in that yeah. moment. It's it's hard to really put it into words, um, but reaching for that, reaching for that sort of higher ground uh, in that moment emotionally is a really difficult thing. And, you know, I don't know how, to, how, you, how you help people get past that. You just got to get past it. Yeah, yeah. You're going to well, feel, it's like, it's not, there's not going to be a time when it, all of a sudden it's going to feel okay to have this conversation. No. <laughs> right. right. But yeah, it's never one you're going to want to have. No. And that's the first of many conversations you won't want to have with your kids. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to have. <laughs> <laughs> so buckle up. One thing that I think can be really helpful. So we had a family in the school I was working with a few years ago who was getting a divorce. And they had a four-year-old and a little girl who was maybe two. And we used art for her as well where she could draw pictures. She could car- She carried a picture of her family around with her. She got to choose what she wanted. But we had all of this available to her uh, so that she had visual aids, Mm -hmm. right? We also set up a visual aid. I know they were using them at home as well, but calendars, like, where are you going to be on a given day? Mm -hmm. Who's picking you up? Mm -hmm. What's this going to look like? Mm -hmm. I think so often for kids, we use visual aids all the time as adults, right? We use calendars and to-do lists and alarm clocks and watches and whatever and for kids we're like just remember it (laughs) and it's the same every tuesday i'll get you 248 yeah (laughs) i love that (laughs) Uh, but having a visual aid for them to know okay maybe you're picking me up at 248 where am i staying tonight Mm -hmm. right and like giving them tools that they can turn to um 
that aren't just like keep it in your head and remember it. It's Tuesday. This is what happens mm-hmm. every Tuesday. But a visual aid that they can reference as they're working to process because their brain's trying to keep a lot of other things straight right now. Um, so any folks who are navigating this, if you have young humans, a visual aid I think can be helpful or visual aids in general, pictures, picture books, things like that. If you're loving this podcast, then you would love our Tiny Humans Big Emotions membership. Every month I go live on a different topic in emotional development so you can ask your questions in real time. Then I give you bonus tools for implementing it. And as if that wasn't already jazzy enough, we do a Q&A two weeks later so that you can come back and share what's going well and ask questions about things that you want some more support on. I get to guide you through implementing these approaches in real time so that we can raise emotionally intelligent humans together. The coolest part, you can have all of this for less than $15 a month, less than 50 cents a day, friends. Head on over to tinyhumansbigemotions.com to join us for our next live workshop. How did you navigate the logistics of like, you're picking them up at 248, right? Like who's picking them up from school is dropping them off? Where's he staying? What do vacations and holidays look like? Well, that's certainly evolved over the years. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so at the beginning... Um, I wasn't working full-time, and I chose not to work full-time while Zach was in school, really till high school. Um, so consistency, was ex- I was very committed to providing as much consistency as possible, and I was in a position where I figured out how to make that happen. Um, yeah. Well, and being a stay-at-home parent was your favorite thing in the whole world. Yes, absolutely. So, <laughs> there's that. Um so I did have to go work, though. So I did have to find a job, and I just found jobs and said, here's my family situation, and it's important for me that I'm out to pick up my child from school every day. So I was picking him up every day from school, and he was either at Daryl's house or my house. He would always go to your to your house. When he was really little, I'd come home sometimes to your house, and all the kids oh, were that's at school. Right. That's I'd take right. other kids I do home remember that. Uh, yeah. and you know, snack and playing outside so, and all of that. It was really pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. It, it was all in, right? Yeah. Then later, I, then later, you would bring him back to your house. Yes. And then I'd come pick him up if he was going to be with me that yeah. week. Yeah. So, we do. so you did every yeah. other week? At, at night, every other week. I think we did yeah. every other week I, from the beginning. I, I, I think we tried. We, messed, we played know. with it a little bit. He might remember. But ultimately, we went to one week and one week. Um, it was more consistent. It was dependable. Mm-hmm. There was a schedule in place. Everybody mm-hmm. knew what that was. As Zach got older, he, you know, could tell where he was going to be mm-hmm. uh, when he looked at the calendar. He knew what was happening. I, I think that and was we lived very in very helpful. close proximity. We did. We also. Li- lived five, a few six miles, miles away from each other. Yeah, um, and just made a commitment. And it, but it, it evolved. You know, we would we talked all the time. Not only mm-hmm. you're talking logistics, you're talking finances, you're talking. I mean, you are all in this. Mm -hmm. It may not be a marriage, but you are in it together, Mm -hmm. dealing with all the hard stuff still, (laughs) and sometimes added layers to that, for sure. Um, But also, great love and respect evolved, too. Right, right. And that didn't happen early on. You know, we were in logistics mode and trying to 
navigate unknown territory mm -hmm. and feelings and schedules and people and expectations. So, yeah. you know, it takes a while to get there and it takes patience. What was it like going from, I mean, having your kid with you full time to every other week? Um, if I'll let you go. Okay. <laughs> Having some emotions uh, right now. Um, They're welcome here. <laughs> this may sound strange, uh, but I became a better parent. I think that a lot of this. folks can resonate. I, I I owned fatherhood in a totally different way after you know this all happened, um, and I can't really explain how that how that you know. Um, how that came up, but um, <clears throat> but really, I, I, I that's that's the way I would put it. I, I owned it. I felt like I owned it. I wanted to be a good dad, you know. And so, you are. well, thank you. You're welcome. But I wanted to be better than I had been, and mm -hmm. and um, and I, I I I learned a lot through mm -hmm. that. Um, so I, I really welcomed it. The one you asked the question about one week, one week, one week. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope this is okay to say, but um, but I found it to be really balancing. Yeah, I I think um, a lot of parents might listen and be like, "How do I get a week off?" Yeah. So uh, you know, when when uh, when we were hanging together for the week, yeah, it was you know it was all in. Um, just the two of us. We had a ball, you know. Mm -hmm. Whatever we were going to do, we had our routine, and it worked. And then when he went back to Fran, I did my own thing, and I really did enjoy that. Yeah. And frankly, I, it really helped. It rejuvenated me during the week. That I now I saw him. I would see him during the week. I'd stop by whenever. It just worked. And um, and when it was time to you know get him back, um, I couldn't wait. Yeah. So Your I, cup was full. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it, it worked. It, all of that worked. I did not feel the loss. Um, that's hard to admit. Yeah. But. No, I think it's fair. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't, really I didn't feel the loss intensely. Yeah. You know, there were moments I was lonely and I wish he would be there, yeah. but, but that wasn't the norm. Um, I think especially when you're going to then like solo parenting, you're the person who's on a hundred percent, right? It's not like, yeah. you know, you're, you can tap out to somebody else to do bedtime because you feel like crap or you don't want to do it or whatever. And so I think to be on for a week is a lot and exhausting probably that then when you can kind of tap out and have some downtime, I think yeah. that's healthy. I also, like, we have a lot of folks, we've talked a lot about, like, working parents versus stay-at-home parents and finding whatever fills your cup. Um, when I first started teaching preschool, I had a mom who didn't work, and she dropped her kid off. He came full-time with us. And she said at one point, she was like, I'm such a better parent because I'm not with him full-time. She was mm -hmm. like, I am awesome from, like, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. and then from, like, 4 to 8 p.m. <laughs> and she's like, more than that? I'm not a great parent. Like, mm. this is what I need to show up as the best parent. So I, I I think that there are probably a lot of folks who heard that and were like, oh, thanks, great. I'm allowed <laughs> to say I don't want to be there full You're time welcome. all the time. <laughs> I think that's normal uh, and, and acceptable. 
And I think, like what Daryl was saying, too, we didn't have, like, restrictions. Like, no, you can't see your dad, or no, Mm -hmm. dad can't see you. Like, we flowed. Like, what were the needs? We were present to what was, whether there were school events or... Yeah. I mean, I don't think people knew we were divorced forever until we said something to them. um, Because we showed up all the time together and sat together. But back to your question that I was having a hard time answering when you first asked it... Um, that was a really huge adjustment for me, and um, that's why it was so important for me to make sure I was there as much as I could be after school, getting all those things that I, I just loved, loved that time of my life, and mm-hmm. loved that time with Zach. Um, and I adjusted to it, but it was very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. Yeah, I'd imagine. You're also like a caretaker mm-hmm. at the core. Like yeah. the first time that I left That's Vermont, you sent me my home. cup. Yeah. It, the first time I left Vermont, I came for a weekend when Zach and I weren't even officially dating yet. It was scandalous. Um, and I was taking a bus back to New York, and you sent me with like a like a packaged lunch that you made <laughs> <laughs> in like true Fran form. Uh, and it hasn't stopped. Uh, you just oh. brought us dinner yesterday. So <laughs> this is still the same. But the, I'd imagine that that would be hard for you in like the caretaker role. Like that is that is what fills your cup and to not have access to that full time. And that's not to say that I didn't also, I think another thing for self-care because mm-hmm. if you only live in that space and that's no longer your reality you need to find other ways I mean in some ways you know I, I probably lived a lot vicariously through my child so for myself it might have been yeah. I did learn lessons from it too I learned how to identify and think about things that also filled me in other ways as well um, yeah that's awesome but wasn't my first choice. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I get that. Did you guys do family therapy all together? I know Zach did therapy. Did we ever do it together? No, we did not. We did it. You mean the three of us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. We didn't. Okay. No. But he was always that. He was in therapy from... Yeah, so I remember reaching out to teacher, guidance mm-hmm. counselor, um, and there was a counselor, not right away though. I don't think we had a counselor right away, but definitely teacher and guidance counselor yeah. to know what was going on and make sure that Zach also knew people he could turn to in school also yeah. if he was having a hard time. I think that's wildly important that they have adults outside of you mm-hmm. because even as much as we don't want them to feel responsible for our feelings, I think it's nice for them to have a space to process that's outside of the parents. Yeah. I just want to mention, too, yeah. Zach being an only child, you don't yeah. have your siblings to draw upon. And that mm-hmm. I was very conscious of that. Like, you have no one sharing this experience with you but you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that can be very lonely and isolating and, I'm sure, feel like you have to manage it all. I have three yeah. siblings that are much older than I am, so right. I have a little familiar feeling of growing up by yourself and dealing with difficult things that you have no one else to share with. Right. It's tough. Yeah. Well, and he, I know for him, like there, there's a person in his life that, um, Fran, you brought into his life that has been like a person for him to turn to his whole life that I think was hugely grounding, but it's just finding those other adults, uh, that they can turn to. Um, speaking of bringing other people into the fold, (laughs) (laughs) did you guys have any like hard and fast rules of then as you continue to branch out when, 
when does that get to meet other people? What does that look like? You both remarried. So mm -hmm. at what point, what does that look like? Did you have any rules or was it just when we were you winging it? Ugh. We talked to each other a lot. Yeah. And I, I'm going to keep saying that, but we did. I mean, we never, through our whole relationship, and by mm -hmm. the way, we got married when we were 20 yep. and 21, like yep. I had just turned 20. And we've known each other since 15 years old, mm -hmm. 16 years old. So yeah. we go way back with each other. And I think that helps a little bit because you, you have very deep roots. But we always were able to have hard conversations with each other. Mm -hmm. Didn't always agree. <laughs> um, but I think we were able to at least express it with each other before just surprising Zach. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you always touched with each other first. always happened that way. Yeah, no, I think we did. I think we would talk about that to the extent that, you know, we each felt comfortable, but when it was uh, time to introduce him to new people, mm -hmm. you know, I've been thinking about that and trying mm -hmm. to remember whether there was anything that I orchestrated, and I, I'm not recalling it. So, yeah. so um, it, it might have been, um, you know, informal, and it might have been, uh, you know, less structured for, yeah. for me on my part, but uh, but we did talk a lot about, well, it was really me because Dolly was already there, so I think we'd had those conversations beforehand, and, um, you know, as new people came into my life, we would check in uh, again um, yeah. to a point. Right. Yeah, to yeah. A point. We didn't try to respect each other. Well, we had right. We had, but it wasn't like Zach was coming home and was like, "Hey, mom, guess who I met?" Like, there's a new no, person, no, and I you had never you, heard of them. Yeah, no, I think, I think, I think we were proactive about yeah. that. Yeah, and I think maybe there were times when there were like groups, the situations, and then I knew something that yeah. was like, oh, you right. know, feeling a little protective, definitely feeling protective. And I remember yeah. one time in particular. You know, where I might have felt like, ooh, I feel like that timing should really wait. Yeah. But at the same time, right. you know, I needed to, I could have those feelings, but still I can't control right. how Daryl's going to, just like any parenting thing, yeah, right? You can't just... control the, you, everyone's going to parent a little bit differently and have different expectations yeah. and feel mm -hmm. like the kid's ready for something when another parent may not feel like that's the totally. case. I was very very careful yeah. um, just you know to myself about okay when is this okay what's the next step mm -hmm. when right. does that happen and you know as uh, uh, in the relationships that I would have uh, uh, I would have that conversation too and um, making sure that you know I put Zach first in yeah. terms of exposing him to new people talking about it so it did happen I, I just don't recall exactly what that process yeah. was and you know whether I was curious it's something he hasn't really specific. shared much about which means it probably didn't make a lasting effect I probably would have heard about it <laughs> uh, <laughs> cool in terms of navigating like holidays and vacations this is one of the questions we got of like there was this mom who was like, I never want to give up Christmas morning. And I was like, of course you don't. No one ever does, right? Like, So how did you navigate that? I don't ever remember that being a problem. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, I, not, I'm not saying that for you. We, I'm like, we would, we would talk about it. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, and you wouldn't have shared well, with I me Well, I think maybe it difficulty. had to do with you. You had different holiday traditions, too. You were used to that in your life growing right. up. You right. had different people and... You know, thing I had the same repeat holiday mm-hmm. over and over. So I was still living in holiday has to be on Christmas Day. It has to be this way. Mm-hmm. I wanted so much to retain that image, mm-hmm. that Hallmark image, that mm-hmm. lifetime channel image of Christmas or Thanksgiving and always being with family. So my first Christmas Eve without Zach, and I'm talking about me right now, and this mm-hmm. is really about Zach. I don't. That's about both. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I'm not quite sure how his experience was. Um, I haven't talked about that in a while. But for me, it was the loneliest, loneliest time I can remember. Um, and I was alone. Uh, my mom had just died also. Mm-hmm. So my mother died the same year we split up. And uh, it was really a very, very lonely time and a very important time to feel the loneliness. Mm. I remember that. Self-aware. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. I remember that. And I remember he was with me and that was the that was the Christmas he wanted a teddy bear that was bigger, oh. <laughs> which I got him. Which I remember Daryl calling me from a Rite Aid or but the, no, I went to Costco like, You're and not gonna... put this five foot bear which weighed 120 pounds in the back of a borrowed pickup truck. It's and you a long said story. you called me and you said, Fran, you're not going to believe it, <laughs> but I found the biggest yeah. teddy bear ever. So um, I, do, I do remember that and and. 
you know, but here's an example. Of, this is Zach request, by the way. Like, yeah. So he would only ask for one thing. Yeah, yeah. he would ask Still, for one yeah. thing. One nice thing, and I'm very set on it, and yeah. I know the exact specifics. Like, we are getting this damn, I don't care, I have to make it, we're getting it. <laughs> I was so happy when I found it. Um, not happy to haul it home, but um, when, when Fran's mom died, no, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. her family was essentially yeah. my family so that's a whole different conversation but but we were all together mm. at her parents house so th there's a yeah and this was really only it was about nine months it's eight nine months after we'd split up so it's, it's a great example though of you know how we, what are you committed to what do you show up for it was for Zach yeah what are your values? he just lost his grandmother at you know age seven, seven eight. eight. He's turning eight the next day. And yeah. the next day, so you know you suspend all of your own stuff. Mm. You just do, or you should, and you know, and you be there. Yeah. Was that easy? No. Right. It was brutally difficult, but I, I think you know it's a great example of what we were committed to. Very sad that um, you know that that tr holiday tradition wasn't going to happen. I remember that year, my whole family came up. Because uh -huh. it was the first Christmas. Yeah. Know, so they came up there to be for me. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. was wonderful. Um, and for Zach, too. Um, but, and we always try yeah. to, I should say, too, that we always try to honor the holidays. So yeah. if Christmas Eve with you at first and then with me the next day, you know, we would try to blend right. it somehow we, we and always see each other. I'd go that. over Christmas morning. Right. Or you'd come right. over Christmas right. morning. Oh, that's so nice. So yeah. we never... We never, well, maybe Thanksgiving, like going down in North Carolina, but we always tried to spend some of the day all together, too. That's nice. And a couple of years later, I actually went and spent Christmas at, at your, at your yeah. folks' house. Yeah. So, and we've, like, since gone to North Carolina. Yeah, we yeah, all go on vacation together now. Shared vacations, <laughs> but, too. But, I, but I, it wasn't always that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I do not recall that we ever argued about holidays. Or vacation time. We just didn't. Nice. You know, we checked in, and it comes back down to that um, intense mutual respect. Yeah. You know, I, because it was for Zach. Yeah. Well, Zach. and you trusted each other that, like, someone wasn't, do, it sounds like this, that someone wasn't doing something to screw the other one. It was like, no, I want to have this holiday with my kid, or we're going to go on this vacation. I want Zach to be a part of it. I think right. trust is a huge part of this. Yeah, I think the holidays were a little, definitely we did that. I think vacations, you know, I think it took us a while to figure out this new normal. And in the early days, where there's still a lot of raw emotion happening, yeah. the early years, not the days, but the years, <laughs> You know, you're still trying to figure out expectations and boundaries. Yeah. And right. I think sometime I know one particular time where I felt like I needed a boundary, but yeah. we were on different pages and, right. you know, unintentional hurts happened. And for but life we with came anybody. back to talk about it, yeah. too. And, but... You know, you, mm. you do end up hurting each other sometimes, too. Yeah, I think that's a part of life in general, yeah. right? That, like... I mean, that's going to happen in, in every space where we're going to cross boundaries we didn't know the other one had. Yeah. <laughs> Expectations. Uh, the other day I was texting with Logan, and I said, your values are only your values if you live them. Mm -hmm. And I, mm -hmm. it, as you were just saying that about um, 
being there when Fran's mom died and, like, everyone being together and that, like, yeah, that probably sucked for you, but your values are only your values if you live them, right? And so... It it wasn't easy, but it wasn't hard. Yeah. Well, they were your family. It's just... But but there's a certain knowing, you know, about where you belong, Mm. where you're supposed to be and why. And I, I, I remember in that space that I felt exactly that way. That I was where awesome. I needed to be, that I was welcome, that, you know, it, it, it was just right. That's awesome. That's interesting you say that I was thinking about that very thing, mm. like about words versus what we say versus what we do. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we've navigated that pretty well, but it always comes down to that in all parts of life. We, we yeah. screw up. Certainly, I don't want to come across like it was all smooth sailing and we did everything right. Yeah, right. But when you don't do something right, or I don't like to use that word, but that's aligned with your values, yeah, it's okay to say that to your child, too. Like, if you feel like you've screwed up, mm. it's okay to say, I, mm. I'm sorry, or that yeah. wasn't my intention. But um, Or to the co-parent. Or to the co-parent, absolutely. Yeah. That felt out of alignment. Somebody asked a question about, like, the grieving and the loss. And they asked a timeline question, which I think is going to be different for everyone. Of Like, she was like, when will this grieving, like, cease? When will it get better? Mm. Um, which I think will be different for everybody. But I, what I liked is that she put out the word grieving mm-hmm. because I think that, I mean, it is, it's a loss of a relationship into a new one. Right, and I think it's important to recognize that it's not just a transition; it's a grief. Um, actually, I was recently having this conversation with um, a new mama who is like, "Oh my gosh, I feel like I shouldn't have had this kid. Like it changed our family." It's like you can grieve the loss of the family you had, right? When when you didn't have this other kid and you got to spend more time with this kid, or your life looked different, you can grieve that, and then move into like accepting your new family unit and I I think there are so many scenarios where we do this where we just try and like accept the new thing without grieving the loss of Mm -hmm. what it was and it's not just the what it was or what it had looked like but it's grieving the future you thought you were like what it was going to look like in the future too absolutely thanks Lori Gottlieb yeah (laughs) no that's a big one I use that term a lot um, because I still grieve. Like for, yeah. for me to look at that question mm-hmm. and react the way I did the other day and feel it, I felt it so, like on such a primal level. Yeah. Um, just like I do when I think about my mom, who's no longer here, or my dad, that grief, it's a, it continues. You learn to live, again, you move into a new normal, but there's always that little part of you that is tender mm-hmm. and remembers and I think you you know you said it beautifully just now that you do grieve what you had what you may not have in the future that you thought you were going to have um, and you're also grieving I think this is the other important learning from my standpoint is all the family dynamics with all the members of your family and your friends that also morph and change and you grieve. Mm-hmm. And you can choose to write the story. You can choose to have the hard conversation with the in-laws, with with the people that you love and cherish and care about, and uh, you also have to let go. You know, yeah. I've had I had a a friend that I did 
that changed our relationship tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you you grieve a lot. Mm. Yeah. And when I think when you're having the conversations with the in-laws, not from a place of like, well, I'm not at fault because oh. X, Y, and Z, right? But like, just to just to throw that in there, because I think in my experience, I do. I, I mean, divorce rates fifty percent, right? A bunch of friends with divorced parents, and there's definitely been some of that where it's the like trying to rewrite your own story instead of the story of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, of like or the new to take story away. of us. This is our new family. Right. We there's still a family here. Yeah. yeah. But it's changed, and not right. everybody's gonna feel. I'm sure gonna feel that way that they still have a family. You know, I, I don't right. think that's always the story that happens. Right. Well, um, I think sometimes it takes time. Yeah does take time but I mean you alluded to um, geek before mm-hmm. Lynn my mother-in-law who was just a force <laughs> she had a very strong personality yeah, and did. I love love loved her dearly and um, God miss her so much um, but we always had a very upfront relationship um, <laughs> Daryl can attest to that she's an upfront kind of guy yeah, bring, some, <laughs> bring some stuff up to her over uh-huh. the years but I remember having a heart-to-heart conversation with mm. her because I respected her and loved her so much. And she was yeah. my family. And yeah. I didn't know. I still had to say that whether she expanded that circle or not. Mm. Yeah. Right. Fortunately, she did. we did. Yeah. Sure did. One thing that I think can be common, especially when there's the hard feelings, I'm sure, in the early days or years that you alluded to, Fran, uh, is using your child as this pawn or and or um, negative criticism of the other parent. I was even thinking at one when you were telling the teddy bear story, I, mm. my own personal was like, ooh, I would be mad that I wouldn't get to give him the teddy bear, right? <laughs> like, how do you navigate those things without slamming the other parent or going against them? How do you stay on a united front there? Mm. Well, fortunately, we did share Christmas morning together. So we were always there. That's true. For Christmas morning. Mm. Um, um, it just wasn't an option. I don't want to oversimplify it, but um, if you if you make this commitment to your child or children to to put them first, you know, in this whole process, all mm-hmm. of this stuff that we've been talking about, and then some. If you do that, then that uh, kind of behavior, that talk, criticism, whatever, is doesn't have a place because that's not about them that's about you mm-hmm. and if 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 you it's very easy to want to go there but i mean really? i think <laughs> i i recall a couple of times but, but um but you know again i come back to you know respect i felt tremendous respect for for zach in this mm-hmm. and i i felt a duty to honor that respect for him, and the same for Fran. Um, it didn't matter what went, what came and went between us. For the you know when we were talking about Zach, he was the only thing that mattered. So that would never have a place. Now, I had a great model. You know, mm-hmm. um, we're talking about geek. My, my mom never 
said a, an, a crossword about my dad. And if anybody had reason to, mm -hmm. in terms of hurt feelings, it was it was my mother. So, so um, you asked the question, and I, I, it feels mysterious to me because I just don't have touch with that feeling. I, I, I it just wasn't an option. So, yeah. at the risk of you know oversimplifying it. Um, uh, the 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 greater um, the the common good here was 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 Zachary. Yeah. It wasn't about and and that would have been about me. So it just didn't have a place. And the greatest thing we can give our child is to love the other parent too. Like for them to see that reflection. Yeah. You know, I still we still have love that exists totally. and respect that exists. And I think Daryl and I tried to have that private criticism, but public, like unified front with yeah. Zach and I have to say at the same time I struggled with that sometimes because part of growing up is learning how to deal with healthy conflict too yeah so I didn't want it to always seem like well do he never sees a whole lot of conflict between us right but um but if there was something I might have disagreed with this is when he was a little bit older and he might have been like protective of either one of us yeah I felt like I also had to say sometimes well I disagree dad and I will talk about that you know, yeah. if Dad and I had, if I, all of a sudden you're in the midst of the day and you realize, oh, Daryl's coming from a different place on this. Right. Mm, I feel a little differently. We're going to talk, and then we're going to come talk to mm -hmm. you. If there was an issue or, like, the beginning of the school year or the end of the school year, you know, we did, like, a tradition. We developed new traditions. Right. New tradition of we'd go to dinner the night before school started uh -huh. and just kind of set that stage. Yeah. And, yeah. So, so just think about new traditions. I think that's another. Were you guys on the same page of, like... I mean, uh, Zach is a rule follower. Um, he gets that from my father. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. <laughs> and me too. I am the opposite. Uh, as you all know, you set up a rule, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to break it. Um, but he, like, even looking at things like, can he go to parties? Can he do all these things that, like, teenagers will come up to? Were there ever things that you guys were like, no, we're not on the same page, and then how would you navigate that from, like, a values place there? Well, we called Ben's mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we were pretty much on the same. Uh, I, absolutely. Yeah. You were probably a little bit more, I don't know. You were where where we ways. differed, it wasn't enough to sort of yeah. shade the... the we, we we would get there. Yeah. We would there's get also there. letting go. Like, you guys did a cross-country trip, but you would have done that anyway, whether we were married or not, probably. True. And, you know, you always have to let go a little bit, too. You have to yeah. recognize, ooh, is this about me and my comfort zone right. or discomfort, or is this, like, a foundational values issue here? Yeah. That we well, in parenthood about? in general, I think if you're co-parenting with somebody, there's the, like... Just because it's not the way that I would do it doesn't mean it's not also right. a way for it to be done. <laughs> that I learned early on that I think as a young parent, I probably did more with you. I probably, you know, oh, no, that's not what he should wear today. Right, right, you know. right. Here's <laughs> but the bigger stuff, this. right? But, you know, <laughs> the clothing, maybe not so much. Oh, you're, yeah. talking, you're talking about Zach or me? <laughs> <laughs> Both. Um, um, yeah, but that, you know, that... I don't remember that really, but oh, good. <laughs> well, I, I don't, but I, I do think that kind of um, amplifies what I had said earlier about, you know, when, when it was just me, Yeah. you know, I got the opportunity to embrace fatherhood in a whole different way. Totally. And he could wear whatever you wanted him to wear. Yeah. Well, and you could wear whatever you wanted I might to have, wear. You know, I might've sort of uh, just 
delegated that with yeah. you know without ever thinking about it before. And yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I think over time, that would have been a problem. I, I think my relationship with Zach was was made deeper and yeah. more solid by the time that we had you know in this yeah. part of our lives. That makes total sense. I hadn't thought about that. That like there are so many things that we delegate along this journey that you that I think happens in any partnership that you then had to take on that you probably hadn't taken on especially with friends stay at home parent I, I, yes I agree with that yeah and, and also I, I, I not to I, say I you never, were an absent father by any no no no, no you were no. a very active no I was very, very active, active yeah, engaged yeah, yeah, yeah. and very but I think you know I, I have always had the highest regard for mm-hmm. you as a, as, a, as a mom. I mean, yeah. she crushes it's, the mom it's off the charts, really. Mm-hmm. And frankly, it was hard to be mad at you when <laughs> you were such, like I would say, you know, damn it. Like, yeah. she really pissed me off. But she's an exceptional mother. And I, I, I said, there's nobody else on the planet yeah. that I would rather have be the mother of my child than Fran. And, and I've, <laughs> I've said that forever. And, I, you know, and I mean it. It's... There's just no question, no question. So no matter what else was going on, yeah. right, that was always foundational. Yeah. So, so that helped a lot, though. You know, when you, mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> yeah, tissues for you. <laughs> that was sweet, Daryl. Thank you. That's very true. And you've told me that before. Yeah, Thank I know. You. What did it look like in terms of like parent teacher conferences, school things, or say like Zach came home and was like, I have a thing. If he's sharing something personal with you or a challenge he's going through, did, were you then like connecting and united on those? How did all that work logistically? And yeah, I mean, I think we went to all, we coached soccer together for yep. one year. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I would pay would, money to see both hardly, of you as soccer I would coaches. hardly call what we did coaching. Yeah. <laughs> that might have been before, but we yeah. all, I mean, we always kept each other informed. And if there was something Zach mm-hmm. shared, I mean, you can't share every moment that right, happens right. during the day, but always checked in with each other. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm hearing this from Zach, or hey, I'm deciding to keep, he's staying home from school today. Right. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, just checking in with each other and trust. So I mean, I have so much trust and respect for Daryl. I don't want it to seem disingenuous saying it right after we <laughs> just said to me. <laughs> but hopefully, it's already been evident during this conversation. Um, so I feel like we were always aligned. Yeah, and conferences, concerts. Yeah, I mean, you said it earlier. We would show up at these things, and people would think, you know, we're we're still <laughs> right. married. That's that's how it would be. Oh, yeah, awesome. that was very natural. There was just never any question whether no. we would. And, and then, you know, when, when there were other people in our lives, they came too. Yeah, right. Still do. When you look back at your younger self now, hindsight's twenty twenty. so we can use your hindsight now mm-hmm. for the folks that are navigating this, this right now. What would you tell your younger self? What do you wish you would have known then that you know now <laughs> um, well I think I just would have um, I, I might have benefited from 
being a little bit more confident going in, you know, mm. to just, if, if I could go back and kind of see me back then, I'd say, hey, you got this. Mm. You, you got personally this. can navigate this, like you have the strength yeah. to do this. Yeah. yeah. You, you're, this is, this sucks. Hmm? Yeah. But this is an opportunity and you're going to do just fine. You're going to mm. be okay. Yeah. I think I knew that on some level. Um, I worked hard for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would have been uh, it would have been would have been good to have uh, to have a buddy, you know, kind of say that and and you know and have that trust yeah. and and dependence where I could really rely on that. That would have helped. But you know, you go into this, you just don't know. You, this is not this is not territory that you can you know you can chart. Every day is new. It's a new adventure, um, and it's some days are great, and some days, you know, kind of you feel off kilter. But um, I, I I would say, looking back, it's now 22 years now. I mean, this, this that space of time seems almost It'll unreal to me. I don't have any regrets about even the difficult things I wish would have been different. I, I, I don't have any regrets over how we did this, yeah. uh, this co-parenting thing. Um, I, I think it's, a, um, it's we, we did brilliantly well, and that's not to say that we got it all right. We didn't, but, but we were together on this from day one, and we never compromised that commitment so you know we had it we got it yeah. and uh, it would have been nice to hear that back then and <laughs> right really you will it. be okay yeah. Yeah. yeah you will be okay and i think the other thing we're bombarded maybe not i don't know how much now but you know you hear about broken families and the statistics of kids of divorce and separation and you can easily rely on fear mm. and almost attached to that as your story recognize you can create your story those pages are not written mm -hmm. yet and that if you find that place moving through the feelings but also find that place of love wherever that is for you in your life and write the story from that perspective but yeah. i think you've you know it's going to be okay and it's not always going to feel this hard mm. it's not always going to mm -hmm. feel this hard and your kids are resilient. Like that's what I. You feel like as a parent, you want to protect them from everything and every hurt and harm. And then when you realize you're actually creating that hurt for them, mm. by your actions and decisions mm -hmm. in life, um, you can feel a lot of shame and guilt, and that really can sit with you and eat at you. And you got to deal with it. A family. Like a family doesn't have to break, right. you know, just because it feels that way. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, to your point, you're writing the story. You're still in charge. You're still in control of the destiny. Yeah. You know, you get to put it together the way that you choose to. And the question is, you know, what are you going to do? What are you, what are you, what are you going to do and who are you doing it for? Yeah. And uh, there's just no greater priority than your kid. Thank you guys for raising my favorite human. 
even when it sucked and it was hard. <laughs> I'm did, grateful. We did good. I really love him. Yeah, he's a good egg. He's a good, <laughs> he's a good egg. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for loving him, too. Yeah. You're welcome. I love you. Love you. you. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.